Welcome to Mindset for Medical Moms. I'm your host, Courtney Given, fellow medical mom and life coach. I'm here to help you handle everything from doctor's appointments to surgery so you can feel confidence and peace as you navigate the ups and downs of medical motherhood. This podcast will share strategies and real life tools to strengthen your mindset and increase your emotional resilience. I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. Hello, beautiful medical moms. I am so happy to bring you episode 50. This is wild. I can't believe I've been doing this for 50 episodes. I've taken breaks and there have been some times where recording a podcast is the last thing my brain wants to do just because it's like, you know, work, (laughs) effort. Uh, And I am so grateful that I um, have not given up. Um, When I started doing this podcast, I was really nervous because in my mind, before I started the podcast, in my mind, I thought, oh my gosh, like, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to start it and then I'm going to, you know, get a few episodes in and then I'm going to, something's going to happen and I'm going to have to take a break and then I'll just like fall off the bandwagon and then like I'll be a failure. And I just told myself at that time, I said, I'm just going to commit to keeping it alive, keeping the podcast alive. Like I'm just not going to allow myself to quit or give up. And what that did for me was give myself a lot of grace. In my mind at the time, I think I also was like, nope, I'm just going to commit to getting an episode out every week. And um, obviously that wasn't the case every week, but I think the like spirit of what I was saying really helped me just commit to the overall idea of I am not quitting even when I take breaks, even when something comes up, even when the podcast comes out late. And it's really helped me see breaks as not a failure. It's really helped me see inconsistency differently um, because the most consistent I've ever been is when I allow some inconsistency to exist. And if I had quit on the first time that I'd ever, you know, missed a week or uh, taken a break... I wouldn't have made it here. And I had this idea in my mind that I don't start things that I, or I don't finish things that I start or I'll, you know, try to eat healthy and, you know, give up or I'll try to work out and I'll give up. And I think this was around the same time I was starting my fitness journey. So it was in the same, um, same idea of like, I want to just commit and never stop doing it again. And I think we have this kind of over romanticized idea of if we just, do it every day from now until forever, we will finally reach peak whatever, right? Like we're trying to achieve this feeling of satisfaction and success and worthiness. And we think it's going to come from consistency or from never quitting or from never taking a break. And it doesn't come from that. It comes from our thinking, which creates the feeling of worthiness and success. And anyway, It's kind of a random tangent, but I want to remind you that if you're, you know, have some goals in your life and you've just like taken a break, you have done nothing wrong. You owe consistency to no one and allow yourself some grace and allow yourself to say, yep, it's time to get back. It's time to do it again. It's time to do this. And here I am 50 episodes later. I am obsessed with this podcast. I love this part of my job, even the tedious parts that are not always fun, I still get so much satisfaction of here, of being here with you all. So thank you from the deepest part of my heart that you show up and listen and share and all of the things because this has become such a beautiful place to hang out at and I love you all very much. Okay. Happy 50th episode to everybody. Thank you so much for being here. And now let's get the actual episode started. Uh, Today we are going to dive into other people's opinions and or comments about you or your child or your journey as a medical mom. 
when you have a child with health conditions, people will have opinions. I mean, people have opinions no matter what, but especially when your child has medical problems. They're going to have thoughts about them, thoughts about you, thoughts about their hospital, thoughts about your decisions. And many of them may not serve you. Maybe they're unhelpful. Maybe they're unkind. And it's not because the people are mean or intentionally unkind, but because so much of medical motherhood is seen as negative or a bad circumstance. It's automatically seen as negative. And if you've been hanging around here in this podcast for any length of time, you know that circumstances are neutral until we think a thought about them. So when we go into the world and interact with other people, their comments can influence us to believe that our circumstances are actually bad or are truly negative and that there is nothing we can do about it. Because typically from an outside perspective, the solution to a negative circumstance or a bad situation is a cure, right? A complete cure for health and well-being. And that's not the case. There's a lot more we have control over. And that's this whole podcast's deal, right? I'm trying to share with you all the ways you can impact your life. You can control the things in an uncontrollable world. The things that you can do to feel more empowered and confident as a medical mom. And I want to make sure you have the ability to think through other people's comments so that you can intentionally decide how to do or what to do with them and how to handle them. What I've observed is that many people will say things to make us feel better, but it's actually just something to make themselves better. So what I mean by that is you'll share something. I remember like sharing something with people about Zola's journey. Like, yeah, like we don't know after the Fontan, like what's going to happen at some point. She's just going to need a heart transplant. That's what they tell us, right? That's like direct information. And I've had this information in my mind for years. Like we have come to the understanding that this is the next phase of Zola's journey. And that could be in 20 years, it could be in 10 years, it could be in 30 years, you know, like we don't know when. Um, and we hope for longevity, but you know, there's also kids that get heart defects a year or two or three after. So I'm not one to put any labels on it. And this makes people very uncomfortable. And people will say, oh, well, you know, we just, well, you know, maybe there's a cure going to happen. Or they'll just straight up say like, that's so hard and scary. I don't know how you do it, right? Like things that make them feel better, but not necessarily things that make you feel better. And I've noticed that this is because most people are incredibly uncomfortable with not having a solution, like a cure. And I know this because this was me, like prior to Zola, I would have been extremely uncomfortable with someone saying, yeah, there's no cure. And uh, basically you have to have a heart transplant. I don't even know if I would have been able to believe that person simply because it's very challenging and uncomfortable to accept that children have heart failure and that they need heart transplants. And it's hard for other people to accept the reality that medical moms live. Sometimes people will say things that straight up deny our reality because other people simply cannot or are not willing to recognize that sick kids exist, that we have to make really hard decisions, right? Sometimes people say things out of fear or ignorance because they haven't been exposed to more medical moms or complex kids. And That's why I think the first thing you should know is that what other people say has very, very, very little to do with you, almost nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them and whatever is going on in their minds, right? Their way of processing their thoughts, their feelings, 
and how it comes out into their behavior is what you're going to be exposed to. Their discomfort for negative emotion, their discomfort for things that don't have pretty bows or pretty solutions. Um, and this is something we should be aware of because too often our brain automatically internalizes what people say. We automatically make it mean something about us or something about our worth or our value. And it's so fast that we don't even realize that this is happening. So um, you have to be willing to be honest with yourself. It, this episode isn't going to be helpful if you can't tell yourself the truth. That is the very first thing I had to learn is because I was used to thinking things in the back of my mind, but not really admitting them to myself. And it's so interesting to think back on those days because my mind did not feel like a safe place. Like I didn't feel like I could even be honest and share my true thing, my true thoughts and feelings about the world and my life. And um, as you start opening up to yourself and creating intimacy with you and being more vulnerable, you will find that you're more willing to feel uncomfortable emotions, but more importantly, you will find that you're able to make better progress. When you create intimacy with yourself enough to tell yourself the truth, how you're really feeling and what you're interpreting people's words to mean, and what that means about you and your kids, you are going to be able to make change because you're going to understand the root problem, okay? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So I'm going to share with you how to approach comments like this, um, and I'm going to take you through the process using some examples to demonstrate it. And first, I'm going to uh, share with you the four steps I suggest. And it might sound a little tedious at first, but I promise you that it's going to become second nature because I do this all the time without even thinking about it now. I'm just willing to think about it and go through the process. Um, so very first thing, surprise, surprise, is to acknowledge how you feel after someone has said something to you. And this doesn't mean you have to say it right away to them. I suggest taking some time to like, you know, process it separately. But if, you know, your mother-in-law says something to you, your sister says something to you, a neighbor, a comment on Facebook, I want you to just check in with your body. Check in with your nervous system. Be present with the sensations that are you're experiencing when someone says something to you just name your emotion at minimum right we just want to connect with the body acknowledge your feeling and give yourself some space to experience it then once you've given yourself some room to experience it and this can be all of you know two minutes i'm feeling overwhelmed i'm feeling annoyed i'm feeling resentful resentment feels like lead in my stomach, right? Like just connect with your body enough to like make that connection. And if it's a very painful feeling, you might need some more time. There's no rush in this, but when you want perspective, you may need to, you know, acknowledge your feelings in the first place and then also be curious about your brain. So the first thing is going to at least acknowledge your feeling and not necessarily is like go sit in your feelings at this point, but Anyway, um, then you're going to ask yourself, what are you making this mean? So step two is curiosity. And I have a bunch of questions to ask for yourself. Um, I guess step three is curiosity. My bad. So that means you're going to then ask yourself, what are you making this mean? You not want to know what you're interpreting their words to truly mean. Like, what are they truly saying versus what are their words? And this is super important because people say words that we interpret as meaning and it is completely different most of the time. 
from my experience as a coach and as a human being, people will say words and I will say, okay, so do you mean blank in my mind, right? Because that's what my brain is making it mean. And usually it's a much more painful interpretation. Most of the time our brain wants to read between the lines. If someone compares our kid to another kid, we make it mean that something is wrong with our kid. Even if the words they said were, your kid hasn't been crawling yet, right? Like that's what they say. And then the meaning we give it is they must think my kid is slow and something's wrong with them. So you want to get really curious about what they're making it mean. What you think their words mean, right? What is it that is actually being said or what is your brain interpreting their words? So once you have meaning, that's step two. Step three is to get really curious about it, right? We're going to play around with it and have fun um, in a really weird way. <laughs> fun is, uh, yeah, it's kind of fun to play around with people's words. When it, when it feels curious, it feels non-judgmental. So you cannot be judging yourself when you're doing this. It has to just come from a very fascinated, intrigued, curious position. So once you understand what you're believing about their words, you're going to get really fascinated and really curious and investigate all possibilities of their statement by asking yourself several of these questions. Not all necessarily, but I like to get as many different um, sides of their words as possible. So first you're going to say, is what they're saying true? Is what this person saying true? Are their words true today or are their words true ever? Like, has there ever been a time that their words could possibly be true? What if they are right? What if they are true? Like, what if they're just right about this? Then what? What if they're right? What does it mean about our child if these words are true? Is there any part of you that might agree with them? Even a tiny bit that you don't want to admit out loud. Or what if they're just wrong? What if we're wrong? What if both of us are right and both of us are wrong? Right? We just play around with the words to see all different sides of it. And get really fascinated with how the fact that people can have many different opinions and thoughts and it doesn't necessarily mean anything negative about either one of us. Lastly, you need to decide what you want to do with their words. And what I mean by that is first, other people's thoughts are really none of our business. Other people's opinions, not our business, right? Who cares truly what other people think, especially if they're saying unkind things? Because we can't control people. I am so sorry, my friends. I'm sorry that I am the bearer of this bad news. We want to control people so badly. We want to tell people what to do and we want them to be able to execute it exactly how we've said and all the things we haven't even communicated. But that's not the case. So you have to decide what you want to believe about their words, yourself, and if you need to say anything about it, right? You're allowed to speak up if that's helpful for you. You're also allowed to let it go and mind your business and not even say a word. If you want to be like, yeah, you know what? That's kind of insensitive to this group of people because of X, Y, and Z. Or you can say, that's an unkind thing to say because of these reasons. Or you can just be like, yeah, they're just wrong. They don't know what they're talking about and I'm not going to waste any energy on talking to them or explaining to them. If it's a person that you feel like you need to set a boundary with, you can say, hey, I love you and I'm unwilling to talk about these topics with you right now. And if you bring them up, I'm just not willing to engage in any conversation around this topic. Maybe it's your child's health decisions. Maybe it's their medication or sleeping routine or eating habits, like anything. Or maybe it's you, like maybe you have a nanny and your mom is saying things about it. Or maybe you have help, uh, a nurse helping you out and 
someone has said something about it. Like you can decide what you're willing to talk to people about. You can decide if you need to say something to someone and say, yeah, this is not okay. And most importantly, I want you to understand when I talk about mindset work, I'm talking about the combination of your thoughts, feelings, and behavior. And this combination creates a specific result in your life that's happening that you can change. And our thoughts create our feelings, which fuel our behavior. I've said this probably a thousand times on this podcast, but what I'm sometimes people say, okay, well, that means I should just think happy thoughts so I feel happy all the time. And I say, no, that's not it at all because you want to feel offended sometimes. You want to feel sad and disappointed sometimes. You want to feel upset sometimes. And people don't like this answer, typically because we all feel very entitled to happiness, but it's not healthy to be happy all the time. And it's not healthy to be sad all the time. It's a 50-50 in life. Half the time you're going to have negative emotion and half the time you're going to have positive emotion. And if someone says an insensitive thing about your child, maybe a part of you wants to always be offended about that. Not in the sense of your behavior feeling out of control or even giving the other person responsibility for your emotions, but maybe a part of you wants to always remain sensitive to other people saying negative things about your child or insensitive things about disabilities or ableist things about your child or sexist or racist things, right? Like in general, like I know that I want to be sensitive to that kind of thing. Like I don't want to get desensitized to sexist comments. Do I respond to every sexist comment? No. Do I feel like I have to change a person every time someone says something rude or unkind? No, because at the end of the day, I can't. But if I'm in a situation where I can say something, where I feel compelled to say something, where I should say something, I also want to be able to do that. And part of that is not taking responsibility for their emotions, the other person's emotions, and not giving them your responsibility for your emotions. Too often, these cannonball people in our life say crazy shit and we give them responsibility for our feelings. The person who we usually like the least, the person who always gives us trouble, who's always saying comments, we're like, oh yeah, and be responsible for all my feelings. You're already making terrible decisions, but here, here's all my feelings to go with it. It's a bad idea. <laughs> it's just not Everyone has that person, like that sister-in-law, that mother-in-law, that friend, that family member, that uncle, right? That person that's just, you know, that person in their life. And everyone has that person. And um, you don't want to give that person responsibility of your emotions. And you do that by reminding yourself that what they're feeling is not your responsibility even when they are incredibly wrong, even when they are incredibly unkind. You must protect your energy as a medical mom. And that's why I'm so, such a big fan of thought work because it's given me and my clients the ability to take back that responsibility, take back that power, take back the... um the ability to regulate your mind in a way that you can truly let things go in a way that feels authentic and not dismissive. Okay, so this might seem a little tedious, but once you start doing it and practicing it, you will be surprised how quickly you are able to run through this and just like kind of think of all the examples. Essentially, you're asking, what are you making it mean? What if they're right? Because so many of us are very defensive and that defensiveness is like, if they're right, what does that mean, right? Like we want to get really curious because we want to get to the root problem. And the root problem is a thought you're having about their words and what you're making it mean about you as a person or your child as a person. And then whatever that answer is, is the thought that is completely optional. Meaning they can say your child is dumb and you don't have to believe them. You don't have to make it mean that they're right. You don't have to make it mean that you are a bad mom. 
And so I want to share some examples with you. And I want you to think about how you would interpret it. But I'm going to like share some, ask for some examples on Instagram. So I'm going to share these and read them. And I'm going to kind of share like where my mind goes with this word if someone had said it to me. And then I'm also going to share like what you should like if you're feeling similarly or just, you know, sharing the example, how you can apply these steps in your life and what I would do in the moment if it were me and or if I was coaching you. Okay. If someone said to you, well, at least she's healthy now. Immediately, this makes me feel annoyed. If someone said this to me, I'd be like, okay, what do they mean by that? Like, at least she's healthy now. And if I think I would maybe in, if I didn't have these tools, I would probably feel more resentful, maybe angry, depending on the entire entirety of the conversation. And if this is something going on, I might need to have some more time, like consistently going on to hold space for this. If they're constantly making, you know, uh, comments about like, well, at least she's healthy now. From a coaching perspective, this comment makes me think that they're just uncomfortable with whatever you've gone through. So they're just trying to avoid that discomfort, avoid feeling negative emotion, avoid dwelling on the negative, because that's what we've been taught as children. Don't dwell on negative things. Don't feel negative things, because if you do, you're going to be, you know, something's wrong with you, essentially. So then I would ask myself, what am I making this mean? What do I think that they're actually saying to me? What is my brain interpreting these words as? And this is what I ask my clients often. And to me, this person in my brain would make this mean they think that now that she's healthy, everything else is not that big of a deal. And that subsequently, I shouldn't feel any negative emotion anymore. Like, well, at least she's healthy now. Just kind of erases, I should be grateful instead of feeling sad or disappointed or have any like, you know, trauma from the experiences we went through. And it feels like they're kind of invalidating all the hard stuff, right? It's unsupportive and it almost wants to force gratitude upon us. Like, well, at least she's healthy now, so you don't have anything to complain about. That's what my mind would fill in that sentence. Um, and sometimes people do expect us to just be grateful and not feel sad. And they're just wrong, right? <laughs> but um, so my mind would have filled in that sentence, well, at least she's healthy now. So don't feel bad. Or so you have nothing to complain about. If I were in a relationship with this person, maybe if they were like a sister or a friend and they are just like, well, at least she's healthy now, I might be willing to say, hey, what do you mean by that? Right? Like drop the defensiveness of assuming you know what they're saying. Because that's what all of these thoughts in your brain are, are assumptions. And maybe they're accurate based off of how well you know this person, but that doesn't mean you still want to believe them. It doesn't mean that this is a helpful interpretation for you because it's not about being right about whatever they're secretly meaning. It's about how you're feeling when you're thinking these thoughts. It's about how you go through life and how much responsibility do you want to take for their words? How much energy and time do you want to spend ruminating on their on their words, right? Like how much time do you want to be stuck on what they're saying to you? And if someone is saying these things to you often, I just don't think it's worth your time or energy. And that's why you should understand what your brain is making it mean. So you can be like, oh, okay, I'm making it mean that they think I shouldn't complain and I should only be grateful and not have negative emotions or any kind of, uh, you know, baggage from our experience. And this is where after that, you understand your interpretation is where you're going to start to be curious, right? Notice the words that they've said versus the words your brain is interpreting to mean because they are two separate things. You're, they say words, you have a thought about it, you have a feeling. And your feeling is not created by their words, your feeling is created by your interpretation of those words. This is how communication works. And it's wild that we've been able to communicate for centuries and still remain alive and get things done, truly. Because <laughs> people say things 
based off of their thoughts and their feelings and they interpret those and use the words and then we interpret those words and we you know formulate sentences in our brain and then sometimes what we think in our brain is not what we say out loud so we want to make sure that we're really noticing there's a huge distinction between what we think they're saying versus what they are saying right they said the words at least she's healthy now and you and my brain went a whole different whole different route right if we just like let our human brains kind of spiral on these words, most of the time our brain is going to make it negative because it's skewed for negativity because that's how we keep ourselves safe. That's how we've kept ourselves safe for generations, but it doesn't mean it's helpful. So now we get really fascinated and we think, okay, at least she's healthy now. Is what they're saying true? Is what she's saying true? Part of me is inclined to say yes, not because the interpretation is true, but if we take their words at face value, a part of you could agree that, yeah, we are grateful that she's healthy now, right? If we broke down the the what part of these words bothered us, I could guess the at least, at least she's healthy now. But if we took that away, she's healthy now. I know from my experience that I am grateful that Zola is experiencing stability right now. She is, for all intents and purposes, healthy now. And while I wouldn't use the same language as this sentence, you can find something that you agree with it just to see how much you don't want them to be right. And it's not about like you being wrong or them being right. It's just to see what defensiveness comes up and where and why you feel that way. So what are they saying that's true? Yeah, she is healthy now. And that's a good thing. And I I like to not only ask that about the words they said, but also the meaning I'm attaching to it. Is it true that I should only be grateful and never experience negativity? Are my feelings invalid? Is my experience erased because I should only feel grateful because she's healthy and not complain? No, that is not true, right? We know as medical moms, we can hold gratitude and pain at the same time. We can hold hope and fear at the same time. We can complain our asses off about all the hard things in our hospital life and be so incredibly grateful that for that same hospital at the same time. So what we've gotten to now is understanding that, yeah, we are very grateful that she's healthy now. And the sentences in our brain that we've interpreted the meaning to be are not helpful. That it is not true. The thoughts that you're thinking along the lines of this is invalidating and unsupportive, maybe it's not. Maybe we can just find the part that we agree with and decide, yeah, we can be grateful and they're also wrong, right? They are both right and wrong. Isn't that fascinating when we break it down like that? Because it's not true that your feelings are invalid. So you don't have to believe that. As soon as you realize that thought is not true or helpful, you can give yourself permission to say, yeah, this is not a helpful thought and I don't want to believe it. And I will intentionally practice not believing it. And if it comes around again, you say, oh, there's that thought again. There's my brain doing that thing, trying to invalidate my feelings. Because this is what's really happening is your brain, some part of you believes that you should actually not feel this way. That's my next question is what part of you actually agrees with this interpretation, right? What part of you, even a small part of you thinks that they're right. And it is sometimes painful to admit this to ourselves because it usually is that insecure part of us or a sliver of us that thinks like we shouldn't feel this way that gets triggered when people say this. Because I would 100,000% been offended by this four years ago. If someone said this to me now, I'd be like, yeah, I'm so grateful she's stable. And I would have moved on and never thought twice about it. 
only because not like, let me preface, not because I'm a superhuman and I have like really cool mental powers and I never feel angry at people. It's because I've practiced so much to think purposely, purposefully, think intentionally about how I want to use my time and energy. It's a skill, which is the best news ever because this is not something you you are either born with or not born with because freak, I was never born with this ability. It's only in the last five years that I've been able to actually implement this and it's changed my life. And that's why I'm so freaking fired up that you guys have these tools too because it does change your life when you can let things go so much easier. What part of you believes that you should be more grateful? What part of you does feel that you shouldn't be sad or can't hold gratitude and sadness together? This is why you might feel defensive because you feel like you do have to defend your grief or sadness or pain to people. We are taught that we have to have a good reason to feel sad. We have to have a good reason to, you know, experience negative emotion. Because if you're just sad on a random Tuesday, nope, that's wrong, right? This is like societal conditioning. But I want you to hold space for that sensitive part that does feel defensive so that you can process that pain and hold space for that part of you that might feel inclined to agree with them. And it's super important not to judge yourself for that. Just meet that part of you with compassion and reaffirm that even though it's a sensitive spot for you, that you agree that this might be something wrong with you. Because essentially that's what you're making it mean. That you're not allowed to be sad because then you're not actually truly grateful for your child's health or stability. That you're not truly, uh, uh, you know, accepting the the good parts that have happened to you and that's and then you can even go further what does that mean about you if you're not actually grateful oh that you're a bad mom okay so what does that mean right you keep digging and digging until you get to the bottom so what who cares if you're a bad mom what does that mean about you as a person that your value has decreased that you're just not good enough any variation of like good enough uh, worthy, uh, whatever is just your value as a human being going down. You're thinking that your value as a person is bad, that you are doing something wrong. And my friends, you already know my answer because you are 100% worthy and valuable and lovable just as you are. No changes needed. It's important to meet this part of you with compassion and uh, understand and reaffirm that because you can validate your own feelings. You know that your feelings are valid. I used to, and early in our marriage, argue with Jeff. <laughs> and no, I, we still argue, but the earlier marriage arguments were so painful because I felt so defensive of my feelings. And I felt like anytime he tried to, you know, challenge my feelings or say no like that's not true I would immediately feel so invalidated and as time has gone on and how and as I've learned to implement these tools and have strengthened my skills in emotional well-being I have been able to validate my own feelings and so when he challenges my perspective or opinions I don't feel as defensive it's not like a surefire thing but I noticed uh, the other day when we were having an argument, he tried to, you know, be like, no, I don't think that's true. Like, I don't think that's right. I noticed how it didn't bother me because I just knew that my feelings were valid no matter what. And you can also have that same compassion for another person who you're, you know, having a disagreement with, especially your partner. This is kind of a random tangent, but especially your partner, you can have that also that same similar compassion being like, okay, their feelings, while I disagree vehemently with them, are also still valid because it's not about whether someone is right or wrong because typically in a lot of arguments, both people are right and both people are wrong in some area. And 
there's so much more nuance than this black and white thinking. And that's why I take you through this exercise so that you can have compassion for yourself. And I'm not saying you have to have compassion for every dick person that says something rude to you. But when you practice this skill, it breeds understanding. And when we understand people better, we just don't take things so personally. And it it's not personal. Like this person is saying this because of their own discomfort, not because of anything about you. And when you really practice understanding that, you don't have to take these things directly, you know, and, and internalize them. Okay. And then we've gone through this and you understand what now the root problem is. And you're like, actually, my feelings are valid. And I don't owe anyone any explanation because I'm allowed to feel anything that comes up as a medical mom. So you understand what your brain is interpreting it to be. You understand now kind of the nuance of the situation. Maybe they are right because I am grateful that she is healthy right now. And they're wrong because I don't love the interpretation my brain is giving this. So you get to decide what you do here and you can decide to say, hey, yeah, so when people start out with at least, it kind of gives off like invalidating vibes. I don't know if I would, who I would say this to, but <laughs> I'm talking like a Gen Z or uh, it gives off invalidating vibes. So maybe just n- knock it off. I don't know. <laughs> um, but you can say something to them if you feel like it or you just do this work privately so you can let it go and you can not control whether or not they will understand you or agree with you. You cannot control whether they will be like, oh yeah, you're right. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to invalidate your feelings. Um, Usually I would suggest if it's not worth your time to just find what you agree with them about. Like what if they're right? And you just be like, yep, they are healthy. And if you want to say something, sometimes I won't even like say what what's offensive about their statement, I will say something like, yeah, she is stable now. And, um, and it's still been hard or something like that. I don't know. I, it depends on the situation, but I might say something a little bit like retort, like a retort to it just to challenge like the at least part. Um, but sometimes actually most of the time it's not even worth my effort. So I would just acknowledge it and do, and like sometimes I can do it as quickly in my mind as within the conversation. So you really, it can go so fast when you're willing to say, what are they right about? What are they saying that's true? What are they saying that's wrong? What are they saying that I mean? You know, all the meaning I'm giving to it. Okay, let's try to do another one. Um, I keep going on random tangents. Let's try to do another example. Um, Uh, Yeah, I've gotten variations of this, like they have a special mission on earth or special moms get special kids. I hated this one. And I actually told people this to their face. I'm like, yeah, I'm not actually special at all. And they hated that. Sometimes you just have to have a shock factor. Um, Okay, they have a special mission on earth. What do you initially feel when they think this thought or when they say these words, right? I think initially I'd be like, huh, in my mind, if I didn't say something really sassy out loud, I'd be like, what would I feel if someone said this to me? They have a special mission on earth. I would just feel complete disagreement, complete annoyance, maybe. I would probably be annoyed. That's probably the best. I wouldn't be super angry because I just disagree with it. And I would just be like, yeah, you're wrong. But I'm trying to think back when I would hear this and I didn't have the tools to understand that because I hear this still and I just am unbothered by it. But before that, I would have been really defensive, I think, and really sad, actually, because my brain would have made this mean that there is a reason for her pain and suffering and that that's this special reason for her pain and suffering should be comforting to me. And therefore, I shouldn't feel bad. Right? It's all about me feeling wrong. So the words are, they have a special mission on earth. My interpretation is, 
that means I shouldn't feel bad and we should be grateful for all of, you know, the things that she's going through and all the things she is going through has a higher purpose. And if I said, is this true? My interpretation, not the words in this aspect. Usually I go to my interpretation first. Like, what am I making this mean? It means that, you know, her pain and suffering have a higher purpose. Is this true? No, I don't believe it's true personally. And I would say, okay, what part of me agrees with this statement, even if it's there's a part of me that doesn't want to agree? And I'd say, no, like none of this, none of the part of me agrees with this at all, like truthfully. Um, are there some positive things that can come out of Zola's life? Absolutely. Are there special experiences we've had from her life? Yes. But, you know, my personal opinion, and I 1000% don't need anyone to agree with me. If you don't agree with me, I still love you 1000%. But my own opinion on this is that there's a lot of suffering in the world that doesn't, isn't coming from a higher purpose. It's coming from people's bad decisions, people's negative impact on the world. And with when it comes to health and sickness, our bodies are infallible. Our bodies are not perfect. Our bodies are, you know, just products of years and years of evolving. And we still are perfecting the human way of birthing. And heart defects are the number one birth defect in the world. And so we were the 1%. And she was the 1 in 4,300 person that got HLHS. I don't think that makes her special. I think it gives us different experiences than other people. And it's really as simple as that, in my opinion. However, off on another tangent again, if this person said to me, they have a special mission on earth, and I made it mean something like, yeah, that means there's supposed to be this higher uh, purpose for her pain and suffering, and therefore we shouldn't feel sad about it, or at least less sad. I don't agree with them, and I don't think this is true. And what do I want to do with this information? I would probably say something in this situation, depending on the person. If it's a passerby, they're like, oh, they have such a special mission on earth. I'd be like, okay. Like, I just wouldn't acknowledge it, like, stranger-wise. If it was a close family member or friend, I think I would say something because I personally don't like to perpetuate the idea that special moms get special kids. I'm not special. Zola is special because she is Zola, not because of her heart. There's so many incredible, unique things about her. She's extraordinary. All my children are extraordinary. And I don't want her to think that there's this special thing that she has to complete or do just because she has a heart defect. So I would probably say something and be like, yeah, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but I do think that she's impacting a lot of people. That would actually be my response. And depending on where the conversation goes, maybe I just, you know, disagree with them. But um, I want to safeguard myself against my own interpretation. So if I think there's some part of me, and it's very similar to the last one, if I think there's some part of me that's not allowed to feel bad, that's something that you should get help on. That's where coaching comes in because we will coach together on why this is. Why don't you think you can feel negative emotions? Why don't you think that you can feel bad and feel grateful at the same time? And it's really important to answer these questions so that when these comments come up that are kind of similar, you know how to re uh, reaffirm your beliefs about your child. And that's why I've talked about this on Instagram before. Your thoughts, uh, your relationship between your care provider, yourself, and your child's diagnosis and your child is based around your thoughts. Like at the very core, it is your thoughts about the doctor and your hospital, the thoughts about yourself as a medical mom, your thoughts about your child and their diagnosis that create the base of that relationship with that you have with them. And when you know what you believe about your kid's future, about their diagnosis, when you can 
intentionally believe things about yourself and about doctors and their authority and your authority, you don't have to constantly be coaching yourself or doing all this thought work because all you have to do is just reaffirm what you already know. I know that Zola's pain and suffering isn't unique. There are lots of pain and suffering in the world. In my mind, it doesn't have a special purpose. It is painful because she's having physical things done to her body. There's going to be some suffering because we all suffer in the world at some point or another. To me, it's not unique and therefore there's no special mission. It's just, it is what it is. And I feel really good about these thoughts. Maybe these thoughts don't resonate with you. So you want to find different thoughts to reaffirm so that you can drop the defensiveness and remind yourself that if that's what they want to believe, that's none of your business. I don't care that people think that she has a special mission on earth, truthfully. If that's what makes them feel better, then that's okay. I'm I'm very willing to educate people while I, I, while I don't think that's the case, but I, I don't really care to convince people that they're wrong. It's just not worth my time. Um, okay, a next one. I had someone told me to scrub the mercury out of my son's skin to get rid of his autism. Oh boy, this is rough. If someone said this to me, I'd be like, mm, scrub your eyeballs out. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, I sometimes I'm really sassy. You guys, I just want to make it really clear. I'm not always a coach when I'm talking to other people. Actually, in fact, I'm not a coach when I talk to other people. I am only a coach when I'm coaching. And it has definitely greatly impacted how I interact with other people. And I also still have very much normal reactions and emotions. Sometimes people will be like, oh my gosh, so you never get angry or upset. And then Jeff laughs loudly. <laughs> um, no, if someone said this to me, I really would just be like, that's offensive, right? Like I'm not like sometimes you just want to be offended, but you also want to be sure that you're not taking responsibility for their emotions, their discomfort of autism, their ableism, their unwillingness to f- understand autism. So in this perspective, I would first check in with your body, check in with yourself, um, ask yourself what you're feeling. And in this, in this case, I would feel angry and angry, anger and grief go together. So it might just be, um, revisiting the wound of having a child with a disability and our world is ableist. Our world is not set up for people with disabilities. Um, we all have internalized ableism in ourselves and unlearning that is possible. And I think that when we hear comments like this, um, it can trigger that and being able to understand what we're making it mean is so empowering because we can reaffirm and unlearn any of that remaining idea that people with disabilities are somehow less than or therefore need to be cured um, because you shouldn't have a disability. So I would feel angry if someone said this to me. And if you felt angry, I would ask yourself, what are you making this mean? I personally, if someone said this to me, would make it mean that I did something wrong as a mom and therefore my, you know, child's autism is my fault. And if it's my fault, what does that mean? That I have caused something to go wrong or I am the reason why my son is struggling. And then you ask yourself, you go back to curiosity. Is this true? Is this something you want to believe? right? That's the other question I forgot to add in there that's super powerful because sometimes things are true and you still don't have to believe them. Did you know that? You can believe whatever you want. It's magic. I apologize for singing. (laughs) I can't help it. Sometimes I just have to sing the sentences. Um, You truthfully, literally don't have to believe things that you don't want to believe. And if someone is saying this and you're making it mean something that you might have done something wrong or they're implying that you did something wrong and maybe there is part of you that feels guilty that your child has a heart defect or um, maybe you feel guilty that your child was a preemie and in the NICU. Maybe you feel like your body failed you. This is where it's getting to the root problem. 
Maybe you do feel a little bit guilty. Maybe you've questioned that it's your fault that you've caused something for your child's health condition. I definitely went through this myself and I said, I just kept overanalyzing everything I did in my pregnancy in the early stages. I'm like, I didn't take my prenatals early enough. I didn't eat enough protein. I was throwing up so much. Like maybe it was me, right? Like maybe it was my fault or something I did or didn't do. And I'm just going to stop you off from going down that pathway because it's just unhelpful. It's so unhelpful. And unless you're in a really good place to understand like what impact your genetics may or may not have had on them, I just don't think that it's helpful to consider it being your fault or what role you played into it. And this is that grief that can come out of people's comments like this. And it's not even just about autism, but about any health issue or disability. When people say this, it kind of implies fault. And if this is something you've struggled with, it will 1000% trigger a thought you've already had about feeling at fault. So I would have interpreted this again. These are all just my interpretations, but you might have had a different one, but still use these tools to kind of answer these questions. Um, is it your fault? Is that true? And I want you to answer this honestly, because maybe the answer is, I don't know. And then you get to decide if you like that answer, right? Maybe you don't know if it is your fault and you've just been waiting for someone to say, some doctor to say, hey, it's not your fault. But maybe you still don't believe them because part of you just secretly does believe that you were the cause of your child's health condition or disability or neurodivergence or anything else they're going through. And then you decide if that's something that you want to believe or helpful or serves you in any way. And personally, as a coach and as a mom, I just don't think it does. And in this case, I would really work intentionally on one, telling that person, (laughs) I don't think I could say this as a coach. I don't tell you guys what to do in a coaching session. So if you were in a coaching session, I'd be like, okay, so what do you want to do about it? If this was a person that was reoccurring in your life often, I would definitely recommend setting a boundary with them and saying, I am unwilling to talk to you about my son's uh, health in any capacity. And if you continue to say things like this that are not only very offensive, um, but completely ignorant about disabilities, you... I will no longer speak to you about these things at all. Like this is not something I'm willing to tolerate. I would set a boundary with this person if it's a continuous problem. If it's just a one-off comment, I would do the work for myself to make sure that I understand that I don't need to feel any guilt or fault from this sentence that I am not at fault for my child's health condition And that this person is simply wrong. And it's okay that you're offended when people say ableist stuff like this, like, and completely nonsensical, non-scientific things, right? Like you can just decide and know that they are completely wrong and it's offensive and you don't have to worry one bit about what they think about you. Um. You get to decide what you want to do after you understand and get really curious about it. But the reason why I have you do this like curiosity thing is because it will uncover things that you may have been feeling and usually other people's sentences, the words they say will trigger something in us, right? Like they say a thought and they say a sentence out loud and we have thoughts about their sentence And that usually will come from a a thought we've already thought about, meaning like a, a feeling we've already had, like feeling insecure that maybe this is our fault. And if someone implies that, we're automatically going to get defensive because we don't want that to be true. And what makes something true? Whether you believe it or not. So if you want to stop feeling defensive or defensive about this topic, You just get to decide there's absolutely no fault to be found with you. So when people say these things, you don't internalize it. And that's what that curiosity does. It helps you take out the internalization. 
so that it doesn't feel so personal and you can still feel a little bit offended when people say stupid stuff like this um because I don't want to be sense I don't want to just like ignore these things and be like oh people can say whatever they want they can unfortunately people can say whatever they want but you can too that's the beauty of this you can also say whatever you want so when people say scrub the mercury out of your son's skin to get rid of his autism you can say hey did you know that's not only incredibly inaccurate scientifically but also incredibly offensive and you are implying blah 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 I don't ever want to talk to you again if you're going to talk about this or whatever maybe that's a little dramatic for a boundary initially but um But I also know that there's a lot of misinformation out there about autism. And so many people will read one random article written by some mommy blogger and believe that it's true. So some maybe sometimes this person is like, oh, okay, yeah, I didn't even realize that this was wrong, you know, maybe in a good case scenario. But all of that to say, you get to decide what you want to do. But first, you should understand where your brain goes and what you make it mean and what you want to believe. Because deciding what you want to do with this sentence is not just how you respond to the other person, but how you want to go forward when this happens again, or someone implies fault again, or when someone says something again about Mercury. Like, what do you believe about this statement? What do you think is true about your son and your uh, role in in their life, right? I don't believe I'm at fault for Zola's condition. And I know that there's a genetic element that, you know, somehow impacted her. So there may be part of me and part of our genetics that impacted it. We have no signs of genetic issues. Um, There's no genetic history. But I don't know. I just think that there's lots of things that there could be a small, tiny gene that got triggered from something I may or may not did. But I don't internalize that anymore as it being my fault. I just believe it is incredibly random most of the time. And things like this exist in all different shapes and form. There are so many disabled people. There are so many kids with heart defects. It's more normal to have a health condition than it is not. And I'm going to do a whole episode on this idea that we've pedestalized health in a way that I think is causing us to feel really crushed by the health industry, the wellness industry of like health and well-being is just the epitome of life. I have nothing against trying to be healthy, but it also like pits us against very normal experience of being human. And this is one of those things where it's like, oh, well, if your kid has a health condition or a disability, then you should be trying to get rid of it, right? Like, that's the answer, which is not. Um, anyway, I've gone on some incredible tangents here. I'm grateful if you've stayed with me. And you're, I'm also sorry that you had to hear me sing. Um, if you have another comment that has been said to you, I didn't get to cover them all. But I'm going to wrap up here because this is way longer than I intended it to be. If you have another comment that you want me to help you with and go through this with you, I will coach you in the comments of our Facebook group. Come share the comment and I will take you step by step. I'm going to post a step by step thing in the group so that you can see it and go through it and then we can work through it together if you want help and understanding and perspective on what you're making it mean and what you want to believe about your child. If this um, episode helped you, share it with another medical mom. And I want you to all remember that when you're able to drop the defensiveness of other people's words, you're able to not care if they're right or wrong and instead focus on how you want to feel And they don't have to be in charge of how you feel. When it comes to emotional responsibility, it's not that other people can't impact you. People impact you all the time. It's about your responsibility, your ability to respond. That's responsibility. Ability to respond to your emotions, right? That's what I want to equip you with. So that when you have the ability to put these tools into practice, You have the foundation to take care of yourself. You have the tools to comfort yourself and decide, yeah, 
that's something I want to be offended by and it's not something I'm willing to tolerate people saying to me and I don't believe anything they're saying is correct. And you don't have to feel that intense emotional roller coaster of up and down all the time. I have found that in medical motherhood, it feels like extreme emotions. And I want to help lower that curve, lower that intensity, so that it doesn't feel such highs and lows. It can feel, you can feel the intense highs and lows without feeling so out of control, so whipped around, the emotional whiplash of it all. And it starts by being able to hold space for your emotions, observe your brain, and make those connections with compassion and not judgment. And I am here to help you along the way. All right, my friends, I will see you next week. Bye-bye. Hey friend, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Medical motherhood doesn't come with a manual, but I've created the next best thing. My one-on-one coaching program offers all the support and strategies you need to handle all the things that come up for us medical moms. Click the link in the show notes to schedule your free consultation to see how coaching can help you take everything from the podcast to the next level. You'll get free coaching and I'll take great care of you. I'll see you there.